We need to talk. Important conversations about faith, family, and finances. Join our team for some honest conversations. And now, to kick things off, your host, Dan. Okay, welcome to the uh, We Need to Talk podcast, episode two. Today, uh, our focus is on family. And um, my name is Dan, and I'm the creative pastor here at Discovery. And I'm joined by Phil, our neighborhood pastor. Jody, our senior pastor, co-senior pastor, and uh, Doug and Mel, our compass pastors. So welcome today, guys. Thanks, Thanks Dan. Dan. Thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, it's great. So just, if we could just go around the room, I've got a few um, questions to ask. Um, just so this, this podcast is a, is a space to uh, go a bit deeper in, um, in what we're learning about each week in the We Need to, in the we Need to Talk series. Um, so this week is all about family. So uh, I'd love to... Um, hear a little bit about you guys um first question is if i were to give you guys an elephant what would you, what would you do with it <laughs> my boys would quickly mount it and take it for a walk there we go yeah, they're I'm, four years old so i'm oh i'm thinking i might mount it and take a walk too <laughs> i've been on an elephant before and um giving them a bath is awesome fun yeah i I'll i agree that. we when we were younger we went on an elephant and yeah having them in the water at the same time is heaps of fun yeah, yeah. so take them to the pool <laughs> take them to the pool. yeah it'd be pretty interesting to see others reactions to you walking an elephant down the road yeah uh, if you guys are driving alone in the car what do you listen to mm-hmm. oh, i'm a big u2 fan so I, I crank up the joshua tree for sure yeah yeah i listen to nothing yeah <laughs> absolute dead silence yeah yeah, why, why is that? I think it's just a really downtime for me because I think life is so busy and so full that when I get in the car, I just need to take a moment, take yeah, a moment. Decompress. So, yes. Yeah, I, I do. I love doing that as well. Like sometimes yeah. you catch myself like, oh, I've just driven in silence and it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I'm the same in the afternoon. In the afternoon, I yeah. drive in silence because I know the minute the kids get in the car, it's mm. going to be on for young and old. So I like the moment just to... Be quiet and prepare yep. myself for yep. the afternoon. It depends on the time of day for me. If it's the morning, I might listen to worship music because I'm holy like that, you know. Then, <laughs> we always knew that about you. <laughs> and then if it's afternoon, coming home, I might listen to some Afrobeat jazz or something like that. You know, to, depends. You heard it here first. Afrobeat jazz. <laughs> Love it. So uh, we'll put a link for that in the yeah, in the show in the notes. notes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So uh, across the last week on Instagram, we've been putting uh, a few polls uh, mm. to get um, to get some uh, in, get get some uh, what's what's the word? Uh, find out what um, what people are um, to get uh, inside people's yeah, heads. Yeah, get Dan. inside people's heads. There we go. Yeah. Um, about about family. Um, so mm. one of the polls we put out was uh, what's the best time to talk to your kids. Uh, you guys, what, what's mm. the best time do you find to talk mm. to your kids? Is it morning? Is it the car trip? Is it the dinner table? Or is it um, before bed? Anything earlier the better for my boys because they quickly deplete energy through yeah. the day. So if we're going to have a serious conversation, definitely in the morning at breakfast, that's a good time for us. Yeah. Mm. I think for us, we use the dinner table for the serious conversations. However, I will say if you ask the kids, it's always they want to talk right when you're ready to go to bed. Mm. That's when the big conversations come out for sure. 
Yeah, I think when the kids were growing up, I think in the car because they're boys. So it's very, I think it's very different between boys and girls. So when I was taking them to youth or doing things like that, it was like conversations because you didn't have to really look at each other. You could just drive in the car. So that's when the good conversations were happening. Mm. So it was really intentional about taking them to places so that you could have that time. As adults, however, you have to be... Yeah, you just have to take moments and say, hey, when can we have a DM? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, with with young adult kids now, um, like our boys at, what, 24 and 26, um, one of the best times to chat with them is, is kind of that happy hour sort of time. When we get <laughs> home, we might have a glass of wine. Um, the boys will come and join us and we'll sit around the kitchen bench and, mm. and have chats before dinner. Mm. That's, that's a really mm. good spot now. It's mm. good. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's the the idea of this series the the kitchen kitchen bench kitchen table chats mm. the we the we need to talk moments. So that's mm. good. Yeah, it, when there's tension in a family um, in in your family relationships, do you tend to fight, flight, or freeze? Mm. Mm. I'm a peacemaker, <laughs> so I hate it when the harmony gets disturbed in mm. family life. So my immediate response would be a, a freeze or flight kind of response, yeah. mm. and then I have to just intentionally go right i've got to come back to this and have this conversation and yeah. resolve it i'm the same and i'm sure doug's gonna say the same as well <laughs> <laughs> the um yeah freeze or flight um my wife's much better at um engaging in conflict when it needs to happen particularly when we've got two uh four-year-old boys who like to hurt each other at the moment so <laughs> then val's much better at intervening than i am so yeah yeah for anyone who's familiar with the enneagram um kind of profiles yeah the three of us are, are all nines so we're all peacemakers. So yeah, I'm I'm the same as Phil and Jody. But but Mel's a seven. It's all about funds. <laughs> so how do you do it, babe? I think I think I confront it. Like yeah. I yeah I it and the word fight is really like sounds aggressive. But mm. for yeah. me, it's actually taking the time to go. Actually, I'm the adult here. How do I respond in an adult way? So and show grace and show yeah business conflict. Mm. That can happen even with adult children, which happened just the other day. And you go, how do I, how do I not, you know, um, what's the word? Like in the sense of interrupt that because they're adults, but how do you say, hey, hang on a minute. You know, we need to have a conversation about this. We need yeah. to talk. We need, we need to, talk. to talk. Hashtag, we need to talk. Yeah, it's <laughs> tricky because, you, like, as you're saying, the Enneagram thing, like all of us are wired in a certain way, but then you're mm. trying to, to be a good parent mm. and, and also put that lens on it. And so you might be naturally inclined to fight, but then do you want your kids to learn that that's the right, 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 right response to it? Or, yeah. You know, or just shelving it and... and sweeping under the rug yeah so it's, it's there's all these dynamics to it yeah I feel, so yeah yeah so on sunday uh doug preached uh, a message relatives plus restoration equals real life mm. cool equation yeah. doug cool equation I think, I think that's the first time we've done an equation as our sermon title so well, well done <laughs> um so if you missed that message um stop this podcast, go and listen to that. Um, it was a great one. So the main idea about um, what Doug spoke about was um, that families um, are a space where everyone belongs and you know, mm. belong is, is one of our values here at Discovery. Um, and so conversations within families should be grace-filled and, mm. um, and God's ultimate plan is for families to be restored, mm. especially with him. So um, in saying all that, I'd love to hear about a bit about the families you guys grew up in um, and, um, yeah, and, and whether they were spaces where you felt like 
that you where everyone belonged and where the conversations were grace filled and things like that. So, Doug, do you want to kick us off in that space? Yeah, sure. I I grew up on a, a dairy farm in South Gippsland. So shout out to anyone in <laughs> in Gather Town. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I loved being on the farm. I grew up in a Christian home, so um, you know, faith and conversations around faith were always a part of my life, um, which I think has been a real kind of bedrock foundation for me. Um, yeah, and mm. yeah, I have a what? I have a younger sister and a younger brother, so I'm the oldest of three. And um, yeah, so mm. it's all good. Mm. All good. Great. Yeah. Help. Yeah, so I, um, the youngest in my family, have a twin brother and an older sister and older brother as well. So, yeah. If you have a twin, are you actually the youngest? Yeah, because I am by five you, minutes. Oh, by five minutes. Good <laughs> yeah. to know. Yeah. 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 So, when we were growing up, however, I always wanted to be older. Mm. <laughs> so, I used to pretend to stab him. <laughs> so, he would die. <laughs> so, I could catch up. <laughs> <laughs> And so that I would be the older than him because that's what you want to do when you, you're young. You want to be the oldest. But Just yeah, be on the lookout for that film. Family with twins. After six minutes, you'd resuscitate him again and he'd be alive. I've always wanted to be the youngest because at the moment whenever we play board games, it says the youngest starts first. And yeah. Dad's like, oh, I want to go first. <laughs> yeah. So I um, grew up in a Christian family, but faith was very much a Sunday thing. Um, it was, it felt very, when we grew up sort of thing, it felt quite awkward to talk about our faith. So I had to learn how to do that really naturally with being a parent because, yeah, it was, it was a bit strange. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, um, so I, I want to say this first. I love my family and it was a really challenging family to grow up in. So um, in my family, I'm the youngest of two girls. Um, a lot of dysfunction in my family growing up. Mm. Uh, my parents were both high-functioning alcoholics. Um, and then so on the outside, life w- looked really good and successful business owners, but behind the scenes, lots of marriage challenges going on and mental health issues there that weren't spoken about or identified. Mm. Um, So my family history has some mental health issues in it. Uh, My father committed suicide when I was a teenager. Um, So, yeah, family life was challenging growing Mm. up. And yet that very same family was the family. What We weren't a Christian family, but my parents intentionally sent me to a Christian school sent me to Sunday school at the local church and the local girls brigade. So put me in three Christian environments, I think in an attempt to instill some good morals mm-hmm. in us as kids. Um, still a still something I'm fascinated about why they chose to do that. Um, family life looks really different now, but back then it was, it was challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I come from quite a dysfunctional family as well. And mm. um, yeah, my... My mother and father weren't Christian, so I never grew up in a Christian home. And when my fa- when I was eight years old, my father left home um, and actually left home with my my mum's best friend, who was the next door neighbour. Oh, so it was wow. a really challenging wow. time for us. And like my brothers moved to uni- university when I was still like eight nine years old. So yeah. So then when my mum died as a thirteen year old, it was it was really tough because I had to wow. go and live with my father and this woman I'd been taught to hate. You know, so it was mm. disruptive to say the least mm. as a mm. teenager going into um yeah my later early adult adult years but yeah I found Christ as a 19 year old and um yeah my family life has been much better since mm. and yeah there's been a lot of restoration and healing that's come mm. Um, mm. through my family life so yeah mm. Mm. 
So have you, t- have you taken like these sorts of experiences now into into your families that you're mm. creating now? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, you see the stuff you go through as a kid and you think, I wonder how much of that I'm projecting as a parent mm. into the stuff that I do now because mm. you learn how to be a parent from your parents. Mm. And so I've been really conscious that I don't want to be an absentee father because mm. that's mm. essentially where my dad was. He was a workaholic mm. and then he wasn't there when I was growing up. Mm. And so I find myself thinking oh what can i do really intentionally Mm. to be a present father to my kids in a way that my father wasn't you know my father was really great um as as a provider for the family Mm. you know he was very generous and particularly in later his late my later years with him he was he was a great example of of what a good father is he brought people together he was great at that but there was just some real dysfunction in those early Mm. years he just struggled to be a parent yeah um, so yeah, so I've I've been really trying to think. You know, there's lots of stuff I'd like to adopt that my dad did. You know, yeah. when it came to us being kids that had grown up a bit, but you know, there was stuff he struggled with in, in mm. his early years. So yeah, mm. yeah, it's great to hear wow. that. Like you can separate that out, and it's not just all bad or all. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We're all broken people yeah. at the end of the day, mm. and yeah. Um, yeah, we're just doing the best we can. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, thanks for the vulnerability in that space. That's that's like yeah super helpful and yeah really really fascinating interesting mm-hmm. and um yeah and i and it's kind of it's an encouragement to to us to see you know jody where you're you're at today and and your mm-hmm. family and mm-hmm. um and the way you and matt lead us as a, a team and as a church as you know almost like parents in a way mm-hmm. so yeah it's just incredible to see to see mm-hmm. that um so obviously we've got a broad spectrum of parents in the room here mm-hmm. um so phil newborn and um four-year-old twin boys and um, then Jody, you've got teenagers um, now and um, and then Mel and Doug in the young adult space. Um, Phil, what, is, um, what does family time look like for you in this kind of really uh, young phase? Yeah, like a quality family time for us is like adventure. So like my, my wife and I love adventure anyway. We love exploring new places and so do the boys. Mm. So, you know, we went to um, like Alinda Play Park recently, but the boys had more fun playing in the forest next to the mm. park than they did actually in the park. Mm. And so making a den or doing something like that, yeah. uh, going to the beach, it's just, it's just, it allows their imaginations and creativity just to it's blossom great. and it's great for us as you know especially if we've got coffee in our hand as well <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so time outside that's generally a good family day for us yeah, yeah. Mm. so jody you've then moved into the teenager yeah. phase now um you know out of the the young kids in primary school phase how has that family time thing mm. changed and that shift for you yeah, I think one of the biggest things, I mean, I would agree it's it's creating those shared experiences, but it's also creating shared experiences where everyone's off their screens. Mm. So as you get to that age when you've got teenage kids, all of a sudden everyone mm. has their own device and mm. it's very easy for everyone to be on that device all the time, parents included. Mm. So we're trying to create times as a family where it might be a city adventure where we go in and spend the night and we go out to eat together. Mm. Our kids really love food, which helps, but we love to have shared experiences around food yeah intentional about being off screen so that everyone's actually present Mm -hmm. together Um, and then I think the other thing that we're trying we're noticing as the kids are getting older is trying trying to create some one-on-one experiences with them so I'm trying to find some shared interests with our son Finn who's 13 Mm. because I'm noticing that I know as he gets older and older that that natural connection isn't just always going to be there. I'm going to have to be intentional about mm. creating things that he and I enjoy to do together because he's going to become, you know, 
before I know it, mm. he's going to be a 16-year-old boy. And I really want to maintain that that close-knit connection with him just as I do with our daughter, Lucy. Um, I guess because we're both girls, it's a little bit easier to find common things to do together. Mm. So, yeah, we're just trying to be really intentional about the one-on-one mm. as well as the family of four stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. great. Yeah, that's... Um so, you yeah, know, I pulled important. the tennis yeah. racket out again yeah. and <laughs> this afternoon I've got a date in the backyard with Finn and the hockey stick. He wants some hockey pointers. So I'm reliving my, my childhood hockey days with him at the moment. So that's going to be fun. Love it. It's great. And um, Mel and Doug, mm. you guys have, um, have got young adult mm. um, boys and uh, men. Mm. Yeah. They, they, are, are, men. they, they are, are men. They are men. They're Large very tall, men. tall men. I think for us, because um, our older son moved out when he was 23 and only recently has come back for a stint back at home, but we had to be really intentional to, when he moved out, to do family dinners. And being boys, they're, you know, I don't know, because we haven't had a girl, so I'm not sure how to parent a girl. But, um, But with boys, you actually have to be really intentional with reminding them about family date night, like to be, and you have to actually really... Um, if it's not important to you as a parent, then it won't be important to them. So you actually have to be really intentional to put it in the calendar, remind them, say, hey, looking forward to seeing you, family dinner night is on Monday nights, you know, and to make it, make it um, not that it's every week or anything, but make it intentionally so that it's, it, for us, it was every fortnight and we tried to really hard to keep to that for us. Mm. And there was heaps of grace for them if they had something on. But for us, it was just trying to be really intentional to do family dinner because, yeah, even now he's moved back home and it's sort of like that stage of they do, they're out and about, they're doing their own thing. So you really have to be intentional yeah, and make that decision to, yeah, stop and go, hang hang on, let's gather together and do family dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you, you raise these kids to be adults and then they go ahead and do it and <laughs> then you go, oh, hang on a minute. Like, <laughs> we're missing out now. Like, yeah. uh, you know, that whole yeah. point of, about being really intentional with them is, is just super important. And, yeah, because especially I think, like you said, Mel, with, with boys, there's a, a bit of this... I think that disconnect for them happens pretty quickly once they once they get to this young adult stage of of not seeing the importance of of actually being in family still like they're they're trying to work out their identity in the world with their friends and their mm. social lives you know multiplying at an exponential rate and all that so they're working so they've got mm. you know another realm of of life to be in so to to actually you know be intentional about pulling them back into family life again is really, really important. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. So um, one of the things um, spoken about in your message is that their families are more than just a nuclear family. Mm. Um, so a family of faith where everyone has a mm. role. Um, how, how do you guys cultivate these kinds of spaces um, in, in your lives? It's mm. mm, a good question. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've wrestled with this with having small kids because from an early age I want them to know that I want to teach them to become independently dependent on God to quote Francis Chan it's a um something I I never had as a kid so I've been wanting to like how can I make this fun to engage with my four-year-olds in a 
in in a in a daily devotion that isn't going to seem boring or they're going to want to go and play with the toys or something so something that's really worked well in the last year has been the um version discovery bible app for kids sorry mm. that it's the bible app for kids mm. um and it's and it's just so helpful because the boys can engage with it you know and tap things and make sounds but it's um but it also w- talks through the good news and it starts at genesis and works all the way through to revelation we're going back through it again now because they love it so much and there's little tokens you can pick up along the way. So this has been great for the boys because they actually really want to do it every morning mm. at breakfast time right. as a way to talk about God. And so we leave with the truth, a simple truth from from whatever it is. And um, yeah, that's been super cool because mm. they want to they learn about the Bible. Mm. Mm. I'm just thinking, Dan, one of the things that um, as our kids are getting older and becoming teenagers, um, we're trying to be really intentional about um, our house being a house that's an open house so that, you know, we want our house to be the house where they want to bring their friends and where they Mm. know that they can invite their friends anytime they want. There's always food there for them to eat um, that they can come and be part of the wider the wider experience of our family so it's you know beyond our nuclear family it's an open house that anyone can come and be part mm, of and, yeah. and that it's a safe place for their friends to be where their friends feel comfortable yeah. and I was thinking about this the other week Lucy had a birthday party and she had a whole bunch of her girlfriends around and just watching them sit at the table and talk freely and openly and I thought this is the kind of house that we want to have where they mm. feel really comfortable just to invite anyone over mm. and um, they know that they can do that that there's an openness there beyond our just immediate family Mm. yeah Yeah, it makes me think about like the church being kind of this uh we talk about it being a a light on a hill a city on a hill uh, um and so like how can our houses our like the the families that we create Mm. be those kind of little lights for for our like our kids friends so yeah Mm. yeah that's Mm. cool yeah definitely i think it's it's that modeling piece i think that's just so important especially um you know, as as we've talked about with with your family experiences, Jody and Phil, mm. you know, having parents that actually weren't there mm. or, or were struggling to do life for themselves. There's so many kids and families mm. out there that aren't the perfect nuclear family. Mm. You know, there's there's parents that are missing. There's there's relationships that are just so destructive and manipulative mm. that 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 people and kids. And it's not just about kids either. It's about it's about adults who find themselves in families who need that that space to be able to grow and develop mm. in a healthy way. Mm. And yeah, and I think for us, um, especially as, mm. especially thinking about the the Christian household, how how do we model that really well in our community, mm. so that you know kids who are coming home from school or or mm. their parents that we meet, um, you know, can actually experience some of that really healthy kind of relationship that that Mm. we can model in that space yeah I can I just having this flashback memory of when Matt and I first started dating we were only 16 when we first started dating and I can remember going to his house the first time for dinner and just being fascinated at how different his family functioned to mine Mm. being in his home listening to the way they spoke to each other watching the way they sat around the table it was just such a different experience than what I was used to. Mm. And I loved it for so many reasons. Um, yeah, and we forget that sometimes mm. because our family life and the way we function now just becomes our normal. Mm. So it's just what we do. Mm. But we forget that sometimes when you invite someone else into that space, they might not have ever experienced a functional family experience mm. before. And so it's like completely foreign, but in the most beautiful way. Mm. And it's so, um, 
appetizing mm. and I think you know like that's that's something that motivates me to think about what kind of family environment are we creating and mm. how can we invite other people into that because I remember not having that same experience mm. growing up yeah. yeah yeah it's a really good reminder yeah. about the like the importance of this like the small day-to-day things like you know sitting around the meal table mm-hmm. might be something that you find a real value and so you know you do that and then when other people come and join you it's just it's just natural mm. it's not a forced thing and and there's a whole bunch of research now actually demonstrates that having meal together with mm. your kids is actually conducive to better education in later life there's wow. evidence to demonstrate it now and so yeah. and so many of those families that have broken homes uh, typically won't have dinner around the, mm. around the mm. Around mm. in the evenings and so you know there's actually research that demonstrates the benefits for children in later life mm. because of it so yeah it's a good point yeah. Yeah, and I think I think for us too it's really modeling how to do life together as well. Yeah. And so with the boys when they bring friends home because they're all adults, they don't always want to hang out with you and everything. But yeah, we had a, a friends um of Jacob who came and watched us because then they saw us how we interacted and they go, "Oh, we really love how you you guys are interacting together and how um they just yeah, we didn't even know we were being watched, mm-hmm. you know. And how we spent our afternoon after work and how we debriefed our day. It goes, we want that. We want to be able to, you know, actually, you know, have that in their life as a couple, you know. So it was nice that Jacob could bring his friends home and we could give them some space. But we could, they could also see that, yeah, there's more to, Mm. yeah. Yeah. So Mm. I think it's good. So good. Mm. Um, So... Bill, we're highlighting uh, It Takes a Village uh, this week. And so can you tell us more about what It Takes a Village means mm-hmm. um, at Discovery? Yeah, sure. So It Takes a Village is an initiative we ran a couple of years mm. ago. We started a couple of years ago at Discovery. And it's particularly to raise awareness of God's heart for vulnerable children uh, in the out-of-home care space uh, and how the church can respond to that in the out-of-home care space. And when I say out-of-home care, that's when a child is um, placed in a, in a home overnight somewhere else because it's not safe to be in their home and their normal home environment. Right now, there are around about 9,000 kids in Victoria who mm. are in the out-of-home care situation right. and uh, and tonight uh, in any given day during the week there'll be 60 kids who'll be sleeping in a hotel accommodation somewhere wow. because it's just not safe for them to be at home mm. and so i think there's a big call for us as a church mm. to really respond to that and so we've started this initiative to raise awareness of some of this some of the need and also to support the carers that are already within our church mm. as well i'm proud to say we've actually got t- um 26 people in our church who are either wow. foster carers or kinship carers uh, representing 15 households that's and that's just a huge celebration of our values as a so church great. around belonging around restoration um the uh like psalm 68 verse 6 says yet god places the lonely in families mm. i can't think of a more lonely mm. place for a child to be than in mm. a hotel room away from everything they've ever known mm. um away from their family and so the reality is also that um, in Victoria, the number of kids going into care is increasing. We've got, since 2018, there's been a 14% increase oh, of kids is. going into, the, uh, into out-of-home care. Uh, but the reality is carers are dropping. Mm. And so there is a huge need for carers right now. And um, I think that 
God is calling us as a church. It's called the church uh, in, in our country to really respond and to step up and start having conversation with God mm. to say, what's your next step in this? Because not all of us are called to be foster carers, mm. uh, but we're called to do something. And so mm. it takes a village is, is a play on the words that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, mm. but I think it takes a whole church community to raise a foster child. Mm. And, and I think there's a big space for us to be able to say, we mm. want to support the foster carers in our church as well as, um, do everything we can to help uh, a child have a consistent placement where they feel the love and um, consistency and predictable mm. presence of family life in an environment where they typically haven't. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Doug, would you like to share a bit about your story around uh, foster care? Yeah, so uh, when I was, I think I was probably 15, 16, um, my parents uh, felt the 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 need the same kind of need they they'd heard some statistics about kids who were in out of home care and um and they said we've we've got a pretty stable family and a you know a decent sized home we could actually do something practically about that so yeah they went through the the process of becoming foster care parents and um and yeah we had we had two kids come and stay with us a, a young eight year old girl and a young boy who was only probably six I think um and both from really dysfunctional families and they came and stayed with us Mm. for about six or eight months I think um yeah like reflecting on it now it was like an incredibly rewarding time but um at the time for for myself and my siblings it was it was pretty challenging like we you know you, you have a stable home and you know the boundaries of your own family you add two strangers into that mix it it actually becomes quite challenging but um i think the 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 development in in us as a family and the growth to actually open our home to Mm. somebody else um to to welcome them into our family actually helped to make us a better family at that point i think we we were really and i think it's about that you know we can do something and for for that point in time it was it was about making sure that these two kids were cared for and I I think yeah so we we tried to you know um figuratively adopt them as brother and sister for the time that they were with us and yeah I mean who knows what effect that time had on their life or or you know their their kind of existence or or the the way that they would think about family now but hopefully that would have been a really good experience for them so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I think it for as a church and as Christians, it's probably one of the most um, it's probably one of the most profound things you can do as a Christian is to, in terms of outworking your discipleship. If you can be a foster carer or support foster carers, yeah. it's just such a celebration of what God considers to be really important mm. to, to take care of children. Mm. And um, yeah, the the you know as Mariah Weston, our former colleague here at Discovery, used to say the foster care is hard messy and complicated mm. but the gospel calls us to hard messy yeah. complicated things yeah. mm. and it's um it's a huge celebration of the gospel when we accept a child into our home mm. yeah yeah like if you're listening to the uh, last week's episode that that was the main um the main point about how can we have a living faith how can we not just not just be sentimental um mm. about that and so yeah that really ties into that mm. of, um faith mm. in action so mm. um what would you say to our listeners who are thinking about potentially fostering like what's what's the next step that they can take like if they're just like oh I'm, you know maybe and yeah like where where could they go next how would you 
Yeah, I mean, I would encourage that um, them to get in touch with with myself, uh, neighbourhood at discoverychurch.com.au. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got some resources that we can share with them. Um, we're exploring a partnership with Hillsong City Care, which run a very similar program called Our Village. And they actually have some uh, resources called First Steps, uh, which is a series of videos to help people uh, determine whether or not God is calling them right. into be mm. foster carers. So it's with a biblical perspective to foster care. And so we can share those resources with them. They can watch them in their own time. That would be a, a good start. Um, we have just run an info session on Sunday. And so we run one of those every year. But I would encourage people to... Um, yeah, reach out to link up with some foster carers in our church already. Uh, we do foster care gatherings um, every term as well. And so if people are interested in either getting involved in foster care or want to support some foster carers in our church, that'll be a good place to start as well, just to sort of get to meet some others and talk mm, to them about that's it. That's great. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's great. So looping back to the uh, the message from Sunday, um, some of the action points, um, Doug, that you that you shared were how are we building an awareness of um, of God's heart for people in the conversations we have um, as families in our everyday week. Jody, do you like how would you respond to that? Like the um, the idea of building an awareness of God's heart for people mm. in our conversations with our families. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we at Discovery, we talk about every heart being found in Jesus' story mm. and we believe that everyone has mm. a story. And so I think um, one of the things, at least, that we're trying to do in our family and with our kids, I mean, a lot of the time they, they're in environments where, they're, where they know everyone and everybody knows them. But as they're getting older and becoming more independent, you know, Lucy just got her first job. So she's about to go into a whole new environment and meet a whole new set of people with a whole set of different ideas about the world. Mm. And trying to really equip her and empower her to be a young person that can recognise that everyone has a story and everybody's on a journey mm. and that, um, you know, how do we not make assumptions mm. about somebody's story and about the journey that they're on but be somebody that's open-hearted and grace-filled and is able to invite people into your story that you have mm. um, and celebrate the story and the journey that that, mm. that person's on as well. So I think, um, yeah, I think it is about... Um, inviting our kids and the young people in our world into those spaces of seeing that, yep, everybody has a story, everybody has value. Their story might be completely different to yours, mm. um, but looking for the God threads and those opportunities to share faith and to be a bold witness in the spaces where they go. Mm. Um, that's something that, that that we're thinking about a lot at the moment as a family. Mm. I don't know if you have mm. anything to add, Mel. But yeah. Yeah, I think for me it's demonstrating um, a demonstrating in your everyday life how you can be Jesus to someone. Yeah. Mm. You know, I really think that's important. Like, you know, I go for a walk every morning, most mornings, and um, and without a doubt, most mornings I bump into a guy who walks his dog and he's just up for a chat. I think I'm his first conversation of the day. But, you know, I'm on a, on a mission. Mm. I need to go for my walk. I've got half an hour. I just want to go for my walk. And God keeps reminding me, no, he's got a story. Mm. He's got, you know, he's got, I could be that person for him. We're a people of peace where I can just show him a bit of time mm. because we've all got the same amount of time in the world, like 24 hours. So if I can give him five minutes of my time mm. to have a chat, then, yeah, I think that, that's showing Jesus to him. And I think it's really intentional. So I get to demonstrate that wherever I go. And so when we're out with our boys or when we're with our men, you know, when we're out doing that, they see that. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. One of the things, we've been talking about this a lot lately, but I often think of um, Melinda Dwight from Alpha yeah. Australia. She's come, she comes to our church um, on a semi-regular mm. basis to talk about Alpha. And one of the things she talks about in the context of Alpha is moving people around the clock yeah. face mm. of faith. And she talks about that idea that we might not always be the person that leads that person to Christ or prays the salvation prayer with them, Mm. but it could be as simple as showing someone the kindness of Jesus when you're at the checkout Mm. in Coles that speaks to them and is um, a demonstration of the love of Jesus to them that just moves them one tiny bit Mm. further around that clock face of faith because you just never know where someone's at in their journey, Mm. the other people that God is bringing across their path. And so, yeah, I think living with intention and not missing Mm. the moment, sometimes we Mm. get so busy in our task oriented lives yeah that we're just we're just bulleting through that we forget to notice the people around us that jesus is putting in our path Mm. and so trying to just slow down the one thing i'm trying to do anyway i'm just trying to slow down just Mm. a little bit and pay attention to Mm. who god might be bringing across my path and what kind of conversation that i could have with them that would be life-giving and help Mm. maybe express a bit more of Jesus to them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it is exactly that. It's being intentional and like even it sounds funny, but taking the time to pat dogs along your walk. Yeah. I tell you, it's just a game changer for people. If you give if they give you permission to pat their dog, you get then get a step into having a, a conversation with them. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Where otherwise they would just walk past you. Yeah. 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 Our, our boys used to be fascinated by the fact that I'd have conversations with total strangers if you're standing in a line to get into the movie theatre or, you know, something like that, or on the bus. You just have, just say hi to someone and strike up a conversation or you notice something and you, and you talk to them about that. And that used to fascinate our boys. They're going, how, how why do you do that? Like, <laughs> I'm just going, it's because there's an opportunity mm. there. And I think, you know, we've, I think we've all had experiences where we've, we've actually recognised that we've missed an opportunity yeah. which could have been super significant for somebody mm. in that space. And, and yeah, just modelling that openness to other people, I think, is, yeah, is just gold. And I think that's where, yeah, mm. the, the Neighbourhood Initiative, you know, is, is just so important because it, it helps people to, to see that there is an opportunity to make significant difference mm. in, a, in a, a child's life, in the family of where that child comes from potentially. Like, you, mm. you just never know what how God is going to use that. And I think, yeah, like Joe, you said, you know, the threads of, of you know, God mm. weaving stuff into somebody's life. Mm. And if we can be a part of that, mm. why wouldn't we? You know mm. what I mean? I love what you said, Phil, about with the It Takes a Village initiative, it is a whole church initiative because I know that there'll be people listening going, we just don't have capacity mm. to foster a child. Mm. But I love that there are so many ways that as a church, whether it's prayer support, yeah. whether it's mm. intentionally coming alongside a family that's fostering and providing meals or um, there, uh, there are just so many th- ways. Absolutely. Aren't there? And yeah. no, it doesn't matter whether you're a young adult, whether you're a teenager, whether mm. you're a, a family everybody can really get on board and be a part of it. Yeah, like mm. not everyone's called to be a foster carer or respite carer, but we can do something. Yeah. And that's and that's a big part of what we're trying to promote as a mm. church. There is lots of ways you can support foster carers yeah. um, mm. in our church. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's like that um that ad on TV at the moment yeah. or something. <laughs> yes. And it like it's, I, I, I really like that, that. I, like the idea of yeah. Yeah. It, it shouldn't just be all or nothing like at least do something yeah you know, mm. take yeah, one something. step and just. and i love that what you guys just just shared about um 
using those opportunities to speak mm. to me people like my kids are always at me like why do you have to it's talk to people, people. like <laughs> yeah school drop off I'll always try and have a chat to someone else. yeah so, like you just use yeah. all the opportunities because I know how important it is the kids are trying to drag me away why do you have to talk to people dad so yeah I think yeah. That's, that's so important um last lastly the um one of the other questions was how has the love of God in your life prepared you to overflow into someone else's field do you want to share um mm. share on that one yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, kind of linking back to foster care again. Um, my wife and I were respite foster carers back in the UK before we moved to Australia. And, um, you know, I, I never really wanted to do foster care. Like, I'll be honest, you know, I just didn't think I was the right person for it. And, you know, I didn't grow up. I was the youngest in my family growing up and I didn't have any real interaction with younger kids. So I just thought, I, I just don't think it's going to be for me. <laughs> but my wife has come from a background in childcare and, you know, she, she felt really strongly that, you know, God was calling us into this. So I thought, okay, well, let's let's uh let's explore this and um i remember going to this info session for foster care and i th- i remember having a conversation with god and saying look if if this is something i'm supposed to do you really need to get my attention in this session mm-hmm. and uh we used to live quite close to heathrow airport uh, in the west in west london and uh the H- hillingdon council which we were um going for the info session we're running it and uh, they shared a statistic with me which uh, blew my mind that um, typically every day through Heathrow Airport, around 30 kids are trafficked through, 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 through their security system that they, don't, like, that they, that they wow. catch. Wow. And there are many more that they don't. And they're typically put into respite or emergency foster care in the Hillington Council. And I, as soon as I heard that, I said, that's all I needed, God. Mm, that, yeah. was, that was enough yeah. for me to say yeah. there is a role for me to play here because that's astonishing and that's something I can respond to. So, so yeah, I'd invite people to have a conversation with God on what mm. it looks like to serve in this space, yeah. It's mm. good. Mm. So uh, the, main, the main idea around Doug's uh, message was uh, that God wants restoration in family relationships um, which ultimately leads to restoration in relationship with him. So the encouragement this week for, for all our listeners would be, uh, who do you need to say we need to talk to um, to help you seek God's plan for restoration in your life? Mm. Thank you guys for, um, for joining us today. Mm. Thanks, Dan. Um, Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate what you've all shared in this space. Mm. And um, yeah, I hope it's an encouragement to everyone listening mm. um, to this podcast. So next week, we've got uh, Matt Destry speaking about finances. Um, there'll be a panel, including Beck and Tim Lambert. And uh, on the podcast, uh, Matt, Beck and Tim will also be joining me. So that should be a fun one, talking all about finances. Does God care about my money? Mm. Very cool. Mm. Is, is money bad? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, Juicy. yeah. Juicy. Juicy. Yes. So we'll, we'll jump into some interesting stuff. So um, if, you're, if you uh, liked this podcast, please... Um, rate it uh give us some comments and um yeah it just helps to to boost the uh the podcast in the algorithms and um gets us out there um remember to hashtag we need to talk um on on all your your channels socials and everything post about what you're what you've been doing and where you've been saying to god we need to talk and um yeah have a think about what's one thing from today's episode that um you can take that you can change what's one conversation you can have with someone what's mm. one dog that you can pat or um yeah what's one thing that um that you can take and put into action and uh, we'll see you next week thanks for listening to we need to talk if you would like to support the podcast please consider leaving an honest review and star rating wherever you're listening it only takes a few minutes and helps us get the message out to more people who need it